Mark Azoulay is an industry leader in psychotherapy and men's mental health. He's helped countless guys get back on their feet, deepen their relationships, and excel in their lives. Now he's taken all that he has learned and is sharing it with you. In each episode, Mark will interview an expert in the field of masculinity and men's work. We'll cover topics such as emotional intelligence, masculine identity, anger management, financial health, trauma recovery, marriage and divorce, ethics, and spirituality. Tune in and become a better man. Welcome back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. I'm here with Randall Wilson. He's a good friend of Miguel Lewis who's been on the show before. Um, and Rand, I'm excited to get to know you. Um, you're a psychologist. You've been traveling the country in RV for a year, which I think is awesome. I want to hear some stories about that. And we were talking before the show about interest in men's work and nature connection, um, mindfulness and meditation. There's a lot of overlap. So Rand, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. So let's just start with you, right? Kind of the personal story. Um, what is your story with masculinity? What is your story with being a male therapist and psychologist? There's, there's not that many of us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of interesting, uh, to think about, right. When you're going to school, uh, to become a therapist, um, uh, it, it used to be sort of flipped mm-hmm. in the opposite direction. I think it was something like, uh, 30, 70, um, female to male. And now it's about 70, 30%, um, female, or that was when I was in school at least. Um, so yeah, so there's, uh, out in the field, there's not quite as many of us, of course. Um, but you know, like, uh, my experience, uh, mainly has been working in the VA system. Uh, so I'm working mainly with, with male patients. Um, and, and, you know, it's worked into my practice that way. Uh, and so in terms of, uh, you know, how this journey I'm on relates to my own masculinity, I I figured I'd, uh, you know, tell you a little bit about how it started and because uh, masculinity i think plays a role in there somewhere um so th- there's a few different factors you know that is involved in me doing this trip and you know one of them was just a i have a value uh, of you know adventure i think that's a an important value for human beings to have to be curious and open and willing to, to throw yourself out there and have things go wrong basically um <clears throat> also there was a a little bit of a uh, a burnout piece in there. I've been working for the VA for uh, about 12 years, uh, specializing in PTSD. And so, uh, you know, you're hearing the worst of the worst uh, every day doing that kind of treatment. And uh, and then beyond that, you know, the clinical side of things uh, didn't have me too burnt out, but being stuck uh, in an office uh, with no windows. And this is in Florida, by the way. And so going outside is only an option uh, a few months in the colder months of the year. Um, that really had me feeling trapped and confined. And I didn't feel really fulfilled as a, you know, as a man or just a, as a person. Um, but so there's another piece here is that, uh, about a year and a half before we left, my dad passed away, uh, really, uh, extremely rare form of cancer. It's about one in a million. Um, and so he was, uh, you know, he sort of instilled this value of, of adventure into me, uh, among, you know, other things that he taught me about, about how to be a man. And, and so this, this trip was already in the works, but then it, it became uh, something, uh, more like, a commitment that I, you know, I've, I signed up for this thing and I'm going to follow through with it and uh, I'm going to do it, you know, in, in his honor and also in a way that I think that he would approve of and that he would enjoy if he was doing it himself. 
Yeah, that's a great story. <clears throat> I, I love the value of adventure. Can you say more about that, about why that's so important to you? Like, what do you get out of it? So I think, uh, uh, well, a few things, I guess. Um, one is just, I think human beings, uh, you know, this has been said before, human beings are sort of wired for novelty, right? And novelty seeking can turn into a, a problem sometimes. Um, but I, I think it's also, uh, you know, it can can work to our benefit if we sort of plug ourselves into it in a healthy way. And so adventure for me um, means just kind of, again, throwing yourself out there, pursuing things that interest you, uh, and then being prepared uh, for things to go wrong, basically, and, and being open to that. And I think it, you know, that's a good recipe for growth for anyone, really. And you don't have to buy an RV and travel around the country um, like we're doing. You can, you know, you can adventure in, in a, a million different ways. Uh, but I think it's really crucial to to growth and, uh, you know, moving forward in your life in a healthy way. If you're, if there's no sense of adventure or curiosity, that's when someone I think is really stuck. And, and like when, when bad things start to happen in a person's life. Yeah, I think that's true, right? I mean, I think there's so many guys that can fall into this routine and complacency, right? And they don't, they're, they're not challenged. And they mm -hmm. might think that they have, they've attained security and stability and all these things that they were fighting for, but they don't have that spark anymore. You know, and I see right. a lot of my like Gen X and boomer clients where like the, the light has kind of died from their eyes. Um, yeah. They have everything they want, but they're not, they're not happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, in those generations that stability was, was the main thing, you know, like in career and, and uh, in terms of your home and stuff like that, you, you do the work 25 to 30 years, um, retire on schedule. And so, you know, and that brings me back to my dad. So that's what he did. Um, and I've learned, you know, a lot of great things from him. Uh, I, you know, I really admire him as a person. Um, but one of the things that I think that he, sort of went astray with that I don't want to repeat is he held off too long on, on going out and seeking his own adventures. He, he, we did camping trips and all that growing up. That's kind of what set me up to be interested in doing this. Um, but he held off retirement was kind of pushing it back year after year. He was a busy body. And so I think it, it sort of worried him a little bit. What am I going to do when I'm done working? Um, and then when he finally retired, kept himself so busy that he never had time to to go out and, and adventure and do the things that he wanted to do and then um this you know this cancer he had uh by the time we knew what was going on it was five months he was gone after and so you know it was it went by in a flash and and the opportunity was gone and he had dreams to go see yellowstone to get a camper and travel around like this um so I think, uh, you know, this idea that like we, we only have one life and we often like dream about all these things that we want to do. And it's like, oh, maybe in another life or maybe when I retire. Um, but, you know, you only have one life. And so um, so you got to do what matters to you in, in the present in this lifetime, you know? Yeah, it's really beautiful. I like think you're honoring your dad by doing this trip. It sounds like you're really like completing his journey in a way. You know, yeah. getting able to experience that. And, you know, I don't know where spirituality is, but I hope on some way maybe he's experiencing it through you too. Yeah. So um, I, ha I haven't shared this with too many people outside of family, but uh, but his ashes are uh, coming along for the ride and, and have been dropped off in, in some of the most beautiful places in the country. I, I, I try to, um, you know, select 
the right places and, and make it meaningful. Um, but he's, uh, he's visited the grand Canyon. He's visited, um, Yosemite, uh, there's about seven, eight other places he's been to and, and is, and is a part of now, you know, in a very real physical way. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, I like that idea that like he's being scattered in all these adventurous places. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm curious, are you, you said you've been doing this since January. So you've been on the road for a while. What have you learned about yourself or about the world or, or what, like, what are you, what are you lessons are you getting? Lots. So, uh, <laughs> um, so we have a YouTube channel. I'll, I'll uh, plug that at the end. But one of the things we were doing in the beginning was, uh, this lessons learned segment at the end of our, our videos. Um, because every single trip that we took, um, going back to like adventure means putting yourself out there and not knowing what's going to happen. Um, we were running into trouble constantly, things breaking, uh, getting to a spot and it's, and it's a a little bit sketchy or not really what you were hoping it was going to be. And and then you got to try to find somewhere else to go. Um, so constantly learning lessons, uh, at the, you know, the, the practical level like that uh, fixing the camper, planning things. Um, also I, uh, I had, it was a really interesting experience for myself and my wife. And we, uh, when we started off on this trip, we've been dreaming about this and planning it for like five years. And, um, so we really took our time, planned it out well. And, and it was always something I was looking forward to in my mind and and like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait. I had this image of what it was going to be like. And then it starts and, you know, just for example, our, our very first evening of the trip, we arrived and, and it was full on Florida thunderstorm opening up on top of us in the dark while we're trying to set our camper up. And we're like, OK, this is day one. Um, and so uh, so there, there's that part like that's been a, a major lesson for both of us. Um, you know what you expect and envision the future is going to look like is often, you know, nothing what it ends up nothing like what it ends up actually being. Um and some other things, you know, I, I learned about myself is, is, uh, breaking away from the nine to five schedule was really easy and, and wonderful at first. Like you're going on vacation. Uh, and then quickly afterwards, the guilt starts to set in like, Oh, I'm not working enough. Or, you know, I need to be doing more. I need to be pumping out, you know, more of travel videos or, um, or whatever, and not feeling productive enough, uh, just constantly kind of beating myself up about that. So that was a, that was a lesson that took probably three months to really, um, to really get to know and and then to start to overcome and to start to give myself permission to really enjoy the trip and not have to work constantly, you know? Yeah. And figure out what pace is actually your pace, right. Versus like what I'd imagine the VA kind of prescribed as your pace. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a, you know, going from a nine to five job uh, to, not working hardly at all at first on this trip, which was part of the plan. Um, but I mean, I likened it to, this is a little bit of an exaggeration, but it felt like being in prison and then you get out and you're just like, what do I do with my own time? There's no one telling me what to do. I don't have to be up at a certain time. Um, and then there was that guilt component showing up like, oh, well, this is, everyone else is going to work. You're watching everyone come camp on the weekends, go back to work. And, and like, why do I deserve to, uh, to be out here just having fun, not working, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. There's like a survivor's guilt element almost right. Of yeah. Makes you so special or yeah. 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 That's a good, a good way to describe it. It, it kind of felt like that you see people and, and colleagues still working in the same place and, you know, 
feeling bad um, that I'm out here enjoying this and they're sort of stuck in the office and that kind of thing. Not that that's how they're feeling, you know, they might feel great and feel fulfilled with what they're doing, but uh, a little bit of that survivor's guilt <laughs> was showing up. Yeah. I'm curious how you, it sounds like you got the rhythm now. I'm curious how you found the rhythm, right? Because I yeah. know a lot of guys, especially, you know, I think retirement or when they lose their job or they quit, they crumble, right? Without that structure, I think there isn't mm -hmm. just to like, I don't know, fall into a depression, right? Or spend all time watching TV and eating junk food and just like yeah. having trouble really yeah. kickstarting the engine. Um, how'd you yeah. turn that around? So uh, I'd say a, a couple of things helped out with that. Um, I was I was part of a, a group and 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 um, talking to this group each week and getting feedback from them um, and and sort of just hearing it from the outside. You know, when you'd say this stuff uh, out loud, it, you don't you know know how you sound, but then someone bounces it back at you. Um, you know, they were telling me like, "This is you've been planning this for years." Um, you know, this is and it's really difficult and there's a lot of planning and stress involved. And so you are working. And so that really helped just to kind of get some feedback. So it's not just my own internal uh, voice talking to me. Um, and then I'd say the other thing is like, I had something really wonderful to, to really engage myself in, which is like exploring in each place that we're at, uh, going out and hiking each day, um, taking long drives to some really cool spots. And so, um, so I was able over time to really start to turn towards and engage with that more and, and sort of forgive myself for the not working part and, and reminding myself this was all part of the plan. Um, and then, you know, gradually it just started to fade. Yeah. I started to like, be like, Oh yes, this is what I want. You know? Um, yeah. Cause I think, I mean, back to masculinity, maybe we can talk about this a little bit in the next segment. It's like, you, you took what a lot of guys get all their value from, which is professional. And you're like, okay, what if we just shake that up? Right. And the story that I'm making up is this question of like, who are you without that role? Right. Without that, yeah. status, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think for a lot of men, it's really, um, it's really open um, and empty. So I'm curious, like, what, what are you without the job? Right. Like what facets of yourself came alive during this trip? I think, um, I keep circling back to my dad. Uh, my dad was, uh, was probably the, uh, the most handy, uh, human being I've ever come across. You know, you could fix anything. Um, that part, uh, I kind of discovered in myself getting on this trip because, uh, everything in an RV breaks, uh, like constantly. So imagine driving, picking your house up and driving it down the road and then, and shaking it really hard, uh, once a week. And you can imagine everything breaks. Um, so learning how to, how to fix things and, and that, that I was competent and I was able to do that was a big part of it. And I think also just sort of, um, settling into this like adventurer sort of mentality. Like I'm out here, I'm way out here. I'm sometimes in the middle of nowhere, um, and seeing this really beautiful stuff. And like, this is what this is all about and, and feeling good about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to move to our first commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk about the fatherhood piece too. You mentioned that you have some kids and yeah. I just imagine you and your family going down the road and kind of this <clears> pressure <throat> cooker, right? Where <laughs> you spend a lot of time. Uh, yeah. We call it the torture capsule. Yeah, there you go. Right. It's just <laughs> when, like when they're being loud inside. Yeah. A yeah. lot of time together and not, you know, not having childcare or having friends or any of that stuff. So I'm excited to learn um, what yeah. that experience is like. Um, so if you're listening, hang on in there and we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break.
Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. Our society is rapidly changing. Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man. A man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. You are listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Or send an email to podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. I'm here with Rand Wilson talking about adventuring, novelty, and all the lessons learned along the way. You're traveling the country with your family. Um, and I want to talk about that, right? Like, what is what is that like being in that in that pressure cooker? Like you said, the torture capsule, right? Yeah. <laughs> with, with no child care, no relief, nothing. Um, yeah. Just really intense family time, I imagine. Yeah, that's been uh, it's funny because that, that's been um, uh, among the top questions I get from family and friends and I get in contact with and they want to know where we're at, <clears throat> what we're seeing. But then uh, then they want to know how we're keeping uh, maintaining our our sanity with uh, <laughs> with two young kids inside of an RV. Um, so the first thing about that is our RV is not tiny. Um, as you can see behind me, this is just like the living space. We've got a bedroom up front. So it's a 36 foot fifth wheel. Um, we have our own wife and I have our own separate bedroom. So, um, you know, at night kids are asleep. We can hang out, watch some TV, get some alone time. Um, but the so the other thing is. I've had this theory about kids, like people, um, kids are loud and rambunctious Mm -hmm. and people, uh, get frustrated with that, including myself, you know, puts you on edge. Um, and, and I've thought about how, like, you know, maybe the problem is not the kid too loud and rambunctious, but that we've put them in too small of a, of a container, even in a, a conventional house. Um, like kids are wild and they're running around. They're loud because they're supposed to be outdoors where that stuff doesn't hurt your ears quite as much and where they can do more of that. 
Um, so our answer to that has been uh, to basically to be outside as much as possible, which is kind of built into why we are doing this whole trip anyway. Um, but, it, you know, if the kids are getting wild and and, and it, it's very loud inside this small space with two kids, like then it's time to go outside and, and, you know, we'll take them out or we'll give them something interesting to do to go play outside with. Um, that, that seems to solve that problem sometimes. <laughs> uh, other times I, I've just had to, we both, you know, had to really work on our patients, um, which is sort of like been more of a challenge and I think helped us to grow a little bit more in that part of our parenting, the patient side. Yeah. I mean, something you just kind of diffuse it, right? Like nature can hold all the kids as wild. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's good. I, I'm curious, like what's your relationship with your wife? Like, so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I just spent uh, about 10 days going in the desert in Moab, uh, which is me and my fiance, uh, off-roading awesome. through like the back country of Canyonlands. And cool. by the end, I felt a lot closer, but also kind of like ran out of stuff to talk about, right? Like I just like, <laughs> don't, I didn't really know how else to connect. I feel like I kind of hit the bottom of a well or something. I'm curious yeah. if you experienced that or or what that's like to be so close so, to a person. Yeah, that uh, that might have happened, you know, if we didn't have the kids with us. I think having the kids along for the ride, um, you know, I, I was uh, I was joking around earlier, um, I believe, before the break and, and saying that's uh, or, or before we started the show, actually, and saying that if I'm honest, like all of this stuff I talk about in here all take second place to the parenting part because we're spending all day with them. Uh, very close relationship with them, obviously, on this trip. Um, so the amount of time that my wife and I actually get alone to speak to each other <laughs> is, uh, is not quite enough, um, to run out of it's, it's on the other end. It's like, we get to the end of the day and we're like, all right, now we finally get to talk, um, without a kid talking over us or wanting to play or something like that. Um, you could have some adult <clears throat> conversation by the end. Yeah. 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 And that, that's become, so our, our time alone has become kind of precious and we have to really, uh, be smart about, you know, making sure the kids get all their energy out, that they get to socialize a bit so that they're, they're tired and feeling fulfilled at the end of the day and they'll go to sleep, you know, and then, uh, and then we can actually enjoy some time. For sure. Yeah. How old are your kids? I don't think we mentioned that on the show. They're six and eight. Okay. So that's yeah. that, my next question is, are you homeschooling or how are you doing education? Yes. With- uh, so we had a plan to homeschool uh, on this trip, you know, before it ever happened. And then my daughter was, uh, coming of age to start uh, kindergarten right when COVID hit. And so, um, at that point we sort of, uh, we were going to start her off in traditional school and then do homeschooling on the trip. But, uh, but we decided let's just start now. Um, it was only, uh, uh, about two years after that point where we were going to leave on the trip. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, you know, I, I like to, I'm very science minded. I'm curious. And so, um, so we both started buying a bunch of books. We were starting to read up on homeschooling and all that. And I, all of a sudden kind of, I hadn't put too much thought into homeschooling, um, and, but started to fall into it. We both did like, well, wait a minute, this is like, this is really cool. And a lot of it makes sense to me as a psychologist about, um, uh, about how kids might, this doesn't go for everyone, of course, like I don't, I don't want to bash on traditional schooling or anything, but a lot of kids might learn better in an unstructured environment where they're allowed to, uh, you know, learn things that they're intrinsically interested in. 
as opposed to being assigned with something evaluated and tested um, that traditional kind of model of learning. Um, so the kids are, we're really enjoying this kind of uh, approach to education. The kids are learning a ton. Um, my daughter's a, a, a voracious reader. She's reading like a, a book every couple of nights, a chapter book every couple of nights. Um, so they're really uh, doing well with it. I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think that they're struggling in any way with that part. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you're moving more with their natural rhythms and flows. Um, and again, it's like that that bonding, right? You're like you're their dad and you're their teacher and the and you're the bus driver, right? You're, you're yeah. All- <laughs> yeah, yeah. That part's challenging. Uh, the driving. We talked about being in the camper with with mm-hmm. two young kids, but driving, towing a thirty six foot mm-hmm. fifth wheel behind you uh, with two kids in the car is is its own thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's a little bit stressful because you need to have the focus, right? So you don't have to be like pulling on the steering wheel or. Yeah, it's uh, that's a. I have a. I have a completely new respect for truckers and what they do. Um, because it is draining to drive with a large trailer behind you. Um, you know, everyone's on their cell phones. Everyone's cutting you off. Um, you can't stop very quickly, and so anytime something weird looks like it's going to happen, you go into panic mode. Um, so it's a a very draining uh experience driving with this thing. And then the one advantage truckers have is they usually don't have a six and an eight year old in the back, uh, in the back seat, having an argument or yelling about their snack that fell on the ground or something like that. Right. They don't have that <laughs> the distraction. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. You know, um, you know, we, we talked before, before we were pre-recording of mindfulness and meditation, right. And this present moment thing, I just keep seeing that pop up again and again and again throughout your story. Um, how does that play into your adventure here? So I, uh, I got into mindful meditation through, um, learning a a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy or act, which I'm sure has been talked about at some point on the podcast. Um, it's a a really incredible therapy and and more than that, like kind of a, a way of conceptualizing cases that I think is really powerful. Um, anyway, it's a mindfulness based type of therapy. And so I got into it through that. Um, and, and then at my VA, there was only a couple of us there who were practicing mindfulness, um, uh, you know, uh, using it in treatment with veterans. And so, um, so I kind of became the go-to person for mindfulness stuff there doing presentations to other staff around the hospital and running groups and that kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the years when I started planning this trip, I started to really kind of shift my focus towards, uh, the nature side of things and, and using nature for psychological healing. And the two just kind of, uh, you know, paired up perfectly because it, it's not just the the physically being out in the woods that suddenly makes you uh, heal or, or causes some kind of improvement, but it's also the, the fact that nature, uh, it sort of draws you into the present moment in a really powerful way that, that not a lot of other things can. And so, uh, so that, you know, the two really went together for me. And, and then once I started this trip, you know, personally, uh, the mindfulness has, has played a big role because 
uh, we're seeing all kinds of really incredible things, but they can sort of fly right by you with all the the stress of traveling and driving. And so uh, if you're not slowing down and getting present and you're looking at something like the Grand Canyon um, or you're looking at uh, El Capitan or something like that, um, you can just kind of look up and be like, oh, that's cool. Wow, it's really high. But like if, uh, if you're able to pause and really soak up that experience, you are connecting with it in a deeper way. And so the mindfulness, I think, is like, amplify the experience of this trip yeah i noticed that with a lot of nature trips that i do especially these like big vistas like you said the grand canyon or el capitan it takes a while for my brain to even process what i'm looking at and if yeah. i just move forward i don't get any feeling right i'm just like oh yeah, yeah. like whatever right but if i can yeah. sit and say like oh wow like the light is different over there or oh there's a whole bunch of little trees down there oh that's the house over there right or it's really like yeah. trying to take in like three-dimensional layers of it all I think, the yeah. mind, especially, you know, my work is all computer now. Like, I feel like it flattens things, right? Like I'm looking yeah. at this thing that is like miles of view distance and it feels like a postcard. Like it feels like it's a flat thing. Um, yeah. And I have to really yeah. just like take a moment, breathe and, and feel into it. You know? Yeah, I hear that. You want to hear a funny story? Um, so it, speaking of education and all that with the kids and with ourselves, you know, we're learning really interesting stuff um, whenever we go to these national parks and, uh, in these cool places. Um, so the, uh, <clears throat> the Spanish con conquistadors who first, uh, walked up onto the edge of the grand Canyon. Um, uh, there's literally a quote and I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something like, this is a useless chasm, uh, for which no, no, uh, I think they had said no white person will ever return to, and it will be no use for it. In, in the future. <laughs> and so I remember reading that I was reading a book in preparation as we were getting there. And I was just like, wow, how talk about not being mindful, talking about being short sighted. They were trying to look for the, the city of gold or something like that. And this was in their way. Um, I couldn't even imagine that says a lot though, about the value of being mindful and open to your experience. If, if you're too single minded, and you're trying to get to the city of gold and you come across the grand Canyon, which now millions of people go to just to look at it. Cause it's so beautiful. Uh, and your response is this is a useless chasm. Um, I think that speaks to how powerful, uh, that mindset can be. Totally. Yeah. Like it's just a hole in the ground. Like why would anyone <clears throat> want to do this? There's no resources here. There's no reason. Um, and I think it dovetails back into masculinity. Cause I think a lot of guys, struggle and, and i did you know for a lot of my life um still to some extent of acknowledging beauty like like you said really mm. taking a moment to feel and and be be touched by the world you know yeah. love themselves to have emotional experiences out there in the world do you yeah. see that with some of the work that you do or in yourself absolutely yeah so um i think there's a there's a certain mindset with some men uh sort of unhealthy mindset that uh, a relationship with nature that's about conquering rather than connecting with or being touched by beauty um and that's uh, that's got a long interesting history too um you know with how the u.s was settled and 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 even things like uh when Mount Everest was, was climbed for the first time, the language that's used is about conquering it. Right. And like, uh, and if that's how you feel about the natural world, um, that's going to play out in your, in your life. And in, and psychologically, uh, you're sort of at war with the, the world outside of you. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to build on that, I think it brings up a lot of loneliness in guys, right? Because they have that lone soldier mentality or that hyper competitiveness yeah. where they feel like it's them versus everything. 
And mm-hmm. just kind of like, like those conquistadors were saying, right? Like things in their lives, it's either an obstacle or, or an asset, right? Either yeah. for me or against me. Uh, this is yeah. very black and white thinking that yeah. I think on like a huge scale for them. <laughs> they probably were thinking like, oh, how how could this have happened to me? Look how big this this canyon is. <laughs> right. Like this hole is so big. How are we going to get around? It's going to really delay our timeline here because we can't right. even see the end of it. Right. Yeah. Super inconvenient for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now with beauty, it's like, whoa, it's so beautiful. You can't even see the end of it. That, that's crazy. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm curious, right, as we move into our break here. What have you felt, and um, if you've done this work, like what has shifted within you? What do you think you're bringing back into the default world whenever you decide to return? I think um, uh, back to what I was talking about earlier, that like forgiveness for not always being ultra productive mm-hmm. um, is something that I'm going to try to hold on to. Um, just slowing things down in general, because working in a uh, conventional job, everything's so fast paced. You have a weekend off or a vacation, you got to milk every second of it and, and it's gone before you know it. And uh, so another thing I've learned on this trip, I'm going to try to hold on to is just literally slowing down, even with my physical movement. I noticed early in this trip that like, uh, like when there's nothing for me to be rushing around for, I'm still wa- speed walking around and I'm, and I'm like dropping things. And, and so, uh, so slowing down, uh, as difficult as it is, is something that has changed that this chip trip changed in me. And, and like, I, I hope to hold on to. Yeah. I think that's really wise, right? Like noticing how rush feels like I hate feeling rushed because Ugh. that's when, yeah, that's when the mistakes happen. That's when I like, you know, go in the wrong direction or make an impulsive decision. Um, so I try to like have my life not have a lot of rush in it. And when I do, I don't have a lot of tolerance for that nowadays. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love that idea. Oh, good. It's it's interesting how uh, like slowing down ends up meaning less mistakes anyway, right? So like you think you're getting more done by being quicker and faster. Uh, you're creating more work by making the wrong decisions maybe in, in a hurry. Uh, um, or, or messing something up. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's just scattered. Right. And something I've learned with some of my nature connection stuff is that nature is not rushed, right? Like stuff might feel like it comes mm-hmm. out of nowhere, but if you pay attention, it's been happening, right? It's all flows and cycles, yeah. right? even like a weather system. If you pay attention, you can see if it's coming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So nature moves at its own pace. That's for sure. Another thing I think that draws that, that mindful state out of people when they're in nature. Yeah. Cause it's, in action, right? Like it's, it's never static. It's always mm-hmm. it's moving. Um, so yeah, well, when we come back, I'm going to tour our final commercial break. Can we come back? We'll talk uh, to you, the listeners about ways that you can slow down, be more mindful, appreciate nature. Um, and some just introspective things to think about, um, as you're considering, you know, changing your lifestyle around. Um, so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. 
Our society is rapidly changing. Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man. A man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. You are listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Or send an email to podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the show. I'm sitting here with Randall Wilson, and we're talking about slowing down, being mindful, and being in nature. And Rand, we were chatting a little bit right over this break, and I want to hear some stories of that illustrate this stuff, right? Some stories that inspired you to appreciate beauty or snapped you into the present moment or a moment with your kids that really touched you. Um, what are some yeah. of the things that are, that are getting in, you know? Yeah. So, um, so it's difficult to kind of uh, <clears throat> to um, single out places or, or events on the trip, but I, I try to make mental notes. Cause that's one of the biggest, uh, most common questions we get. What was your favorite spots that everybody wants to know? And like, uh, my answer is always like, um, favorite spot for what purpose, I guess, like, uh, like most, um, awe-inspiring and beautiful. That's like Yosemite grand Canyon. Um, those are the ones so far that just were stunning and, and left us kind of speechless, just looking at them. Um, but then like, uh, so our, what my wife and I both say is, has been our hands down. Our favorite spot though is, uh, is the redwood forests, um, the national and state parks. And, uh, there was something, um, the interesting thing is, you know, it's mainly just forest, like really dense, damp, um, forest. And it has these absolutely enormous, mind-boggling uh trees uh, in them obviously um but it's it's a very like simple recipe in the redwood forest but for for both of us um uh it was a pretty spiritual experience i'd say like you're in this forest that's uh that's ancient and uh you know an old growth forest and you can just feel that when you're inside of it um and then you're walking you know you're walking amongst these trees that you have to like you know, arch your head completely back to even see the top of them. Um, there's something just really special about walking through that, that old sort of wise, uh, type of forest with the, the quiet that goes on in that kind of forest, um, all the life springing up all, all over the place. It's uh, so much variety. 
Um, and so I'd say that, that location overall touched us uh, the most deeply. And, and it was the one that I, I think about most often and one I'd get back to at some point. Yeah. When I think about the, I've spent some time in those forests too. And it's just, it really has the interconnectedness, right? And for me, the sense of scale that you talked about and the kind of insignificance of human life, you know, being like, well, these things have been here for hundreds of years. And I'm just yeah. like this like little ant walking through this forest, um, yeah. surrounded by all this growth and, and, and life. And, you know, I've done a lot of nature stuff and the redwood forest is one of the places that it feels safe, which is wild, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like it feels very homey. It feels very kind of like, close it's very just like kind of like nuzzles you yeah. a little bit yeah um i've been on other you know i'm sure you've been to other places that like feel dangerous right they feel wild they feel like oh yeah. my god i could hurt There's myself no grizzlies in, in the redwoods i don't think so that helps yeah yeah and it just <laughs> everything, everything just feels like soft like everything's got moss on it you know yeah. like just like always a water feature nearby like i've always i've, I've always felt really safe in those types yeah. of areas um yeah versus yeah some of the more hostile environments like it doesn't feel hostile at all it just feels like very welcoming and, and yeah, wise and peace, peaceful. Like yeah. yeah. Super peaceful. Um, so, and, and speaking of, uh, you know, like all the life there, um, and we we're talking about, uh, you know, memorable things on this trip. Um, uh, an interesting thing that's come up from being in all of these, uh, really beautiful natural places is like, uh, our kids are getting exposed to, um, life and death basically like the the full process and that means like lots of questions um they're learning you know in the visitor centers and national parks about this process and and so um <clears throat> i'm remembering uh one conversation i was having with my kids about this uh in the redwood forest um and i don't remember how we got onto the topic but we were talking about like you know one day you guys can come back here and and probably see a lot of these same trees, um, you know, maybe even after mama and papa are gone, basically, like when you're grown up and you're adults, this is a place you can come back to and you can connect with us in a, in a very real way. Like we were here and, and we are sort of part of this forest, uh, also in a very real way. Um, and so like, you know, they're six and eight. And so I don't know how much of that they're going to hold on to, but I hope that when they grow up that they can come revisit some of these places. And if they're, when we're gone, if they're missing us, that they can visit these places and, and visit us in a way. Yeah. I think that's, that's lovely. Right. And like, and even just bringing back to the beginning with having your father on the trip and in the form of ashes. Right. Yeah. I'm happy to really connect with that. There is this yeah, really beautiful pairing of both grief and celebration. Sounds like that you been kind of weaving in and out of yeah and uh, you know my dad um uh, we've sort of raised our kids to have a deep appreciation for nature and a connection with nature and part of that part of how we help them cope with um with losing my dad is is to talk about this topic that like he um you know not in a not in a woo uh sort of like um supernatural way but in a very real way um he is now a part of all of this and, 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 and every beautiful vista that you see and in this forest and all of that, like he's sort of, um, become part of that again. And so, so you can connect with him really anywhere through nature and, uh, you know, sunset or a beautiful forest or a, a beautiful Canyon river or whatever it is. Yeah. And they, there. they've gotten a lot out of that and they'll, they'll, 
you know, bring that up sometimes if they see something really beautiful, um, they'll say, Oh, that's Patia. So that we had, they, my daughter created a really strange name for my dad. She called him Patti, uh, not to be confused with potty, but Patti. Yeah. Um, and it stuck. And so anyway, they say, uh, they say, Oh, look at this sunset Patti made for us. Uh, um, which is really touching for me. And, and I think it's really helped them heal after losing him. That's really sweet. That's really cute. That's really sweet. Um, as we move towards the end of the segment here, I'm curious for our listeners, what would you recommend for someone who wants to feel some of these things or wants to tap into some of these things that maybe can't travel, you know, in the yeah. same way? Um, yeah. Like what are some things that they could do tomorrow to start to yeah. feel more mindful and more present? Yeah. So I'm very conscious of that. I feel like if everyone could um, be able to somehow uh, get out and adventure and do this kind of thing, they could get a lot of, a lot of growth, a lot of healing out of it, but it's just not possible for many people. And I'm very grateful that we're able to do it. Um, and so uh, what I talk with clients about, um, I do mostly virtual work on the road um, and it basically like, you know, almost like anything else with setting goals in therapy, if you break it down small enough and the small enough pieces, you can still get, you know, the essence of what we're going for here. And so if it's connection with nature and being mindful in nature, um, it could be as simple as like going out in your backyard, if you have a backyard or just going out into some green space around you and, and sitting and connecting with, with the things around you in a very basic mindful way. And so, um, so I do exercises sometimes with clients where it's like, uh, before our session, go outside and grab any natural object out of your yard. And it might be a pine cone or a rock or a shell or something like that. Um, in Florida, you find shells in the soil. So that, <laughs> that's why that might not make sense, but there's, uh, there's actually shells in people's backyards in Florida. Um, and so anyway, uh, we'll do, we'll do some mindful meditation where we're literally just holding the object and studying it, um, you know, very closely and, and looking at all the intricate details and sort of fostering like an appreciation for that thing. And in the, the simplest objects, you see all of the, the beauty and the patterns of nature that are in the big grand objects, like in the national parks and things like that. This is just a smaller version of that, you know? It's just the microcosm of that, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. looking at a rock, you can see all the different speckles and the textures and all of that right in that rock that you would just kick down the road, right? You wouldn't even notice most of the time. Yeah. So, and that's, that's a, uh, you say that that's kind of an experience that people end up having towards the end. And they're like, wow, is it like, this is, this thing's pretty cool. I didn't think like uh, I'd be that interested in it. Um, but anything that nature produces is, is like that for the most part is an infinite amount of variety. Um, it's all interesting. It's all beautiful. If you just slow down and, and really take it in fully and mindfully. Yeah. It's just, it's fractal, right? It's just infinite, no matter how deep you go. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, Rand, what's the plan for the rest of the trip? Do you have a, do you have a set end date? Where are you headed next? What are you going to bring back? Like, where's your story go from here? <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, so our, our YouTube channel is called the wandering home and we've kind of lived up to that name by literally wandering around the country. We've had like a, uh, a general, um, loop that we did the whole southern border the whole west northwest came back down to wyoming colorado um and now we're up in the northeast uh you can see some like some tree some leaf colors behind us there um hitting our first real significant cold on the trip um but as far as like uh the end date we're probably 
going to do this a bit longer, maybe six months. Um, we'll see. And then, and then our goal, um, <clears throat> so the other reason I, I came up with that name wandering home is because, the uh, uh, sort of side goal of this trip is to find where we want to settle. So like, uh, you know, wandering to our future home basically. Um, and so I think, uh, in about six months or so, uh, spring or summer, we're going to start circling around some potential candidates for places, uh, locations that we might want to settle. Um, and at the same time, we're completely open. We might go longer if we're just, we seem to be getting more and more comfortable with this lifestyle, the longer we do it. So at first we were like, okay, let's just do our year and see everything. And this is a little too stressful. Once, uh, now we're kind of getting into a groove where we might go a little bit longer. I don't know. Yeah. Are there any places that you feel like being called to settle? Like anything that called your name? Well, we, so this is a, uh, a touchy, uh, if, if any of my family listens to this podcast, we've got my wife's side of the family, my side of the family, and both are sort of uh, vying for our, us to, <laughs> to land near them. Sure. Um, we do want to be in the vicinity of family. We don't want to have to travel real far. Um, but uh, a couple of places, you know, I, I really have always loved um, anywhere in the Appalachians. And so like I grew up camping in the Poconos. Uh, when I was in Florida, we would go yearly, get a cabin in, uh, in the Blue Ridge mountains in Georgia. Um, I feel really at home there. Um, we might not end up being able to do that if we want to be close to family. And so, um, we might also wife's family's all in Missouri. We might kind of check out, um, Northern Arkansas is, a, is sort of a, uh, hidden gem in terms of nature and, and, beauty there and, and, uh, not too overly populated. And I don't think everyone's discovered that yet. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and so, uh, so we're kind of, we're staying wide open with that and we're going to stay in places a little bit longer to see where we feel like we might find community and what really feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Kind of final question here is have you met any other families that are doing this too? Like, do you oh yeah, on so uh, are on the same mission. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because that's been one of the one of the surprise uh, uh, one of the the biggest surprises and, and like most rewarding parts of this trip. Mm-hmm. Um, right off the bat, I think we we're three weeks into into the trip. We met a a, a full time family. It's called um, who was uh, started off in Portland. They'd been doing it for two and a half years, so they were pros. So so we were just learning as much as we can from them. Traveled with them for about a month. Um, and then we, we met another family, um, uh, in the U S from Canada and, um, the Casey's, uh, I'll, I'll ask them to listen to this because so, they're going to want to, uh, hear about our friendship being talked about on this podcast. We like, we, um, we just fell in love with this family. They were, they were like, uh, the sweetest people, um, they started their trip with a two month old baby. So like, I'm, I'm complaining about it being loud with two kids that they've got, they had three and one of them's two months old. Um, so they were really courageous, I think to do that. And we traveled with them for about a month also. And we, we found that like this whole experience gets made even better when you've got someone to travel with like that and share the experiences with and sit out by the campfire with make each other, you know, take turns making dinner and stuff like that. Um, that's, that's been really, amazing. And like, we're always kind of hoping for when we're going to run into the next family that we link up with. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Aren't you that metaphor of kind of life being walking each other home, right? Walking next to each other for a while and then splitting off in paths. 
you really yeah. have to experience that <laughs> literally right yeah being aligned with somebody another family and then moving um yeah yeah that was a a really sad departure because we were up in uh we were in um northern washington and they had to, their time in the u.s was running out they had to go back and so and they were going to be done with the full-time traveling so we we kind of were grieving with them a little bit um but then of course the beauty of uh technology nowadays is like we're in touch with them all the time we video chat with them we're going to meet back up at some point and the first family is still going we're definitely going to meet back up with them at some point finally get chart intercept course yeah so yeah this was great a lot of moments as i'm reflecting on this episode of like beauty little touching moments um and i think that's really speaks to how you and your family are doing this intentionally and mindfully and feeling into um some of those deeper un- undercurrents right the emotional thread there yeah um, so yeah, if people want to learn more about you and your family, where can they find you online? So our, our uh, I kind of separated my my psychology mindfulness stuff from our travel channel on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We're the Wandering Home, uh, it, with a the in the beginning of it. There's a Wandering Home. It's not us. Um, and then uh, I'm also on um, TikTok and YouTube and and uh, Instagram just as Dr. Rand Wilson and uh, at Trail Therapy on TikTok. Um, and so on there, my main thing is I do. Uh, I do these short clips while I'm out hiking, talk about, um, mindfulness, meditation, talk about psychology, you know, related ideas and topics and, and usually relating to nature. Um, so that, that's kind of my, uh, my, my professional side of things, the wandering homes, like our travel and natural beauty side of things. Awesome. Well, yeah, guys, check it out. Um, and Rand, I'm excited to meet you and I'm excited to see where your story goes from here. This sounds like this is like an incredible kind of maiden voyage for you and your family. Um, yeah. If you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week on another episode of the Men's Therapy Podcast. Thank you for joining your host, Mark Agile, on the Men's Therapy Podcast. Be sure to tune in again live next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and anywhere podcasts are found. To support the show, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. For more information or to apply to be a guest, visit www.menstherapypodcast.com.